And now regenerative tourism is the buzzword and it's, it's going to be the next decade at least. What that means is making it better. So we've gone from doing something good to repairing the damage. Actually, let's make it better for the next generation. This is That Marketing Podcast. Made by marketers for marketers. Welcome to another episode of That Marketing Podcast, brought to you by Spotler UK. As marketers, we're used to hearing about how the world is changing all around us, and no one had to deal with that. Hello, welcome to another edition of That Marketing Podcast. Now we're going to have uh, Liz Smell from so Visit Yorkshire. So we invited Liz Smells from Visit Yorkshire onto the podcast to speak to us about how the industry faced these challenges and where it's moving on to over the last 12 to 18 months. So Liz, thank you very much for being on today. Thank you, Richard. It's, a, it's exciting why to be the here, actually. Um, it's important great to be able to talk casually she is actually uh, about what the change is like. It's an exciting time for tourism, I think. My glass is always half full of the way to the next happy glass. Absolutely. Um, I'm, I'm, glad you went, I'm glad you went with optimism, because I, I, I don't think it's controversial to say that tourism has had a hell of a year in the last year. Definitely. And, that, you know, we're, we're far from out of the woods and there are enormous challenges ahead of us um, from marketing and also staffing and servicing and the perception of hospitality in the UK. Um, but I think it's just lots of scope for opportunity to make a difference and make a change, um, which is really positive. OK, well, well yeah, let's, let's, let's talk about that in that case. Then what, what kind of opportunity? I'm, I'm loving the positivity. You could easily say, oh, it's been terrible for tourism. We're all sunk and <laughs> don't know what to do. But, but so, yeah, tell us what, what kind of opportunities have you got coming out of this? What's, what's the bright side of a year of lockdowns and not being able to do anything? You know, I think everything has changed. You know, you, you ask, what's changed? You know, are they permanent? Are we seeing a bounce back or anything like that? And yet everything has changed but the product. You know, who are our travellers tomorrow? Who is the market? How do they and where do they find you and you find them to communicate with them? You know, why would they choose you? All of these have been questioned again. And, you know, the importance of the travel industry, it contributes 10% of the world's GDP and sustains wow. one, one in 12 of all global jobs. That's about 255 million people around the world. Um, so I think it's really given us all the under chance to understand the importance that we actually place on packing that suitcase and going somewhere and the value of that. Um, you know, according to Visit Britain, English tourism contributes 73 billion to the UK economy. Now here at Welcome to Yorkshire, which is one of the largest counties in the UK, we've got a population of 5.5 million. and the tourism, the value of tourism was 9 billion pre-pandemic, and we had 220,000 people employed in the sector. And that's massive. So that's a massive amount that have been affected, but a massive gap to refill again. But how do we fill that? Um, and I think that's really exciting because the industry has had its rug pulled from under its feet. You know, and it, we've had to give reassurance at every point of communication, and that's going to be key going forward in building that cons consumer confidence. And I've actually really, obviously, my background is in branding and marketing and PR and destination development. 
So I've been observing it and I liken it a little bit to the financial crisis of 2008 that we went through, where there was a switch in the product marketing and the messaging. And there was an increased usage of human marketing language and messaging was service oriented instead of product oriented. An industry recognized the new needs of consumers, the need for increased transparency and authenticity were really critical in rebuilding that confidence. And what I'm seeing already now um, as brands are relaunching is, is sort of a light-hearted use of more human design elements coming out. And again, there's a, a really exciting innovation for the branding and the design and the marketing and the messaging that comes out of it. So as, as companies are on that relaunch of campaigns, we're seeing a lot more unique, bespoke, stylized, hand-drawn icons um, that enhance the brand personality and up hope. And I know I'm optimistic, but there is a, a lot of uplifting, hopeful messages that address that wider public need for positivity in the day-to-day. Yeah. Uh, human marketing language that sounds like a term i want to unpack a bit more because that sounds like a good it, it's one of those like it sounds a bit buzzwordy but i like the idea of the concept behind it so i mean well, what what do you what how do you define it what do you what do you mean by well, it in tourism it's about people you know what we do Absolutely. best is looking after people you know that is what we're trained to do uh in a, in the hospitality and that's why i think you know we've really born uh, got the short stick of it because when it comes to looking at the pandemic and looking after people and making sure people are safe, hospitality does that best. We do it in our day-to-day -day job. You know, that's our raison d'etre almost, you know. And it's about those experiences, making sure people have a great experience, a memorable experience and something that they're going to go and talk about. And that's where that human element comes into it. It's not just an inanimate object. Tourism is about that engagement, that interaction, and that development of memories and journeys and itineraries. Do you think there's a lot, do you think it's a, it's a start that again. Do you think it's a sector that leans particularly heavily on nostalgia? I mean, we see a lot of things about brands reinventing themselves, but you know, for me, you kind of go, you know, do you remember your childhood holiday to your, the Blackpool, you remember your childhood holiday to the Yorkshire Dales, that, that's, that's probably one of your most powerful, most powerful drivers, isn't it? Yeah, you know, I mean, it is, it, when, when you say, is it, is it changed, it's, and is, will something stay? It's the domestic market at the moment, it is that staycation, and we have one opportunity now to win that customer back from that nostalgia, yeah, it was 40 years ago since I was on a donkey at Stagabra Beach as a child, you know, when my parents pr pretty much bought the donkey the, the amount of times I went on it kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> you know? um, but so it, it, it comes back to the domestic market, that nostalgia, that's our new, what we call in the tourism world, feeder market, where the, where the source is coming from, where do those travelers come from? Um, and the initial traveller will be that family and friends, the day trippers that are within that one one hour drive market. And then it extends to being sort of a three hour, five drive market and they're going to stay two nights. But now they're probably going to stay four nights. It's, it's changed. Um, 
and you you sort of put yourselves in that sh shoes and if you're if you're that old remember what was <laughs> it like you know and how do you want that holiday to pan out today and again there were just enormous opportunities there to see okay it's not just the whole the hotel it's the experience beyond that and you, we're seeing a lot more collaboration which is great so um, that it just enriches that visitor experience that comes out of it. Yeah, what, what I thought of that as you, as you were saying that, I mean, user-generated content is one of those things that keeps coming up for me. And it, I think for, for us as a B2B software brand, it's a little bit hard to do kind of organically, but like, tour, like it was basically invented for tourism, especially with, you know, I see people that go that you know go to the park and share 500 pictures on Instagram of it. So you know, again, yeah. if, you're, if you're doing like a four-day trip to the to the Dales, you know, that's you get so much content out of out of your customer base that you can use. That must be really interesting. It is, and it is, you know, on a B2C market, yes, that user-generated content is really interesting. And um, I, I mean, I live in a very picturesque part of the Yorkshire Dales. You know, it is a honeypot. That the town all is called Skipton, and it doesn't need to market itself. It, it is. You've got the rolling hills. You've got stone, dry stone walls. There's the castle there. There's a, a canal through. Um, but when the doors closed, all of a sudden people weren't naturally coming, and all, they had to go to digital marketing. Um, and I was a general manager at a, a hotel in the Yorkshire Dales until March of 2020, and then the doors closed, and then I quickly transitioned and became mm -hmm. marketing and crisis communication for Skipton. And um, I came up, you know, I was like, right, great, I know what to do here. I've gone through a few too many crises in my life living in Asia than I'd like to know, remember, you know. But <laughs> it was like, fasten a seatbelt, here we go. And I had this digital campaign. It was called hashtag at home in Skipton. And it had various other hashtags and a whole marketing plan at it. It was an epic fail. And it failed. Oh. <laughs> okay. That wasn't where I was expecting it to go, but go on. I was really excited. The board were really excited. Yep, yeah, this is great. But our shops and our tourist destinations were so used to that natural footfall. Yeah, they had a Facebook page. Yeah, they had an Instagram account, maybe, but they didn't really know what to do with it or how it worked. And a hashtag? What's a hashtag? <laughs> yeah, and I was like, oh my gosh, we have to go right back to the beginning and start with the basics of doing digital marketing training 101. Um, because they, they didn't really know, they didn't need to do it. It, it had already happened. And then all of a sudden, how do we do it? Does it work? Why do you do that? Well, well, who do I talk to? Uh, um, but it was really fascinating because we, it, it gave us a great opportunity. At the very beginning, we could analyze, right, well, let's look at your Facebook page. Who, who are your demographics? Let's go, first of all, you've got settings. And from your settings, you can find out male, female, age group, where they're coming from. And that alone was a revelation. And then we started doing sort of um, some actual messaging, targeted messaging on their channels. And we could see that demographic evolve. And all of a sudden, we had a new market to, that they were talking to and a new profile of person that they were engaging with that was then buying from them because they'd now set up 
a digital e-commerce site as well, which hadn't been there before. So it, it was a really fascinating transition to go on that B2C journey with them. Um, and now on a B2B one, I was just yesterday at a hospitality crisis summit. And uh, it's about that perception of the industry. And in, in Asia, that, that employee journey is so mapped out and it is so well oiled, you know, the, from the um, job announcement, what the image looks like, the wording behind it, when you arrive for the interview, that post-interview communication, the onboarding, the way you're taken through all of that and then through your career. And I haven't seen anything as polished as that here in the UK. So we were talking about, yeah, you know, we've got the customer journey sorted out now, but your employee journey is not hasn't even started. So you've got to take that B2C communication channel and make it your B2B internal. And that's how you can attract and retain your staffing and your workforce. Um, and engage and inspire that excitement that we all have and has kept us going and you know why we why we wake up and go to work every day we love yeah. hospitality and tourism and it's an amazing industry to work in um so now there's a lot of work that we're just starting on that b2b journey internally with uh, with our members yeah but bringing people back into the industry now you've got a whole cohort of people that sort of graduated in lockdown and then need to get into work and there's people that are changing career like the the yeah the, I, being a being a recruiter or a hiring manager must be absolutely insane right now I can, and it's well, interesting like that but the, I mean I've been on so many different jobs I don't think I've had a consistent job interview onboarding experience across any of the jobs that I've done across my life so the idea of bringing like the, the idea of comparing a, a customer journey to a an onboarding journey is, is really, really interesting. I don't think you can take that away and think about it. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, the, the thing with hospitality is it's not a job, it's a career. And that's the challenge that we have. It, it's not something that you just do between school holidays or between school and university or while you're looking for another job. You know, um, a restaurant manager, there is a whole skill into being a restaurant manager. You have to read people. You have to understand what the dynamics are around the table to make it that experience for the customer. You've got to understand the timings that the chefs in the kitchen need and the way that the food checks are, are sent through and, the, and the, the, the speed at which they go. You've got to understand how to put the wine list together and where your wine suppliers are and manage those. So there's a whole multitude of skill set that goes into being a restaurant manager beyond what the customer sees as, oh, yes, sir, we've got your table. It's number 13. Here you are. It's ready. And it's all, you know, what would you like to order? Um, there's a whole back end and a front end that comes with that. Um, and at the same time, hospitality is everything from the gardener that looks after the herb garden to the finance department. So you might start off as a pot wash, but you could end up in the finance department. You know, you, you find your groove and what makes you tick and the company will nurture you. Um, and that's what makes it an, a, a fascinating and exciting industry to be in. Um, but we just need to communicate that better. Yeah, the, the closest I've come to, I did, I did work behind a bar. Actually, while I was at uni, funnily enough, in between uni summers, I worked for 
an agency that supplied caterers with wait, wait staff when they were doing bigger events. So I'd, I'd done some bar work, some waiting work and things like that. But yeah, I've never got into that restaurant manager, head chef type career path. I don't think that was ever my uh, my particular calling. <laughs> and one of the things I came up with, well, I, I, did do, I did do a little bit of research before this podcast beyond my, you know, my, my own brief hospitality experience of, you know, six months serving drinks. Um, one of the things I came up with was this conversation about net zero tourism and regenerative tourism. And and really want, I really want to ask you about that because I, I think I have an idea of what net zero probably means, but I'd love to get your view on firstly what what are what do those two terms really mean? And then secondly, what do they mean as a a journey for, for both what you do and for how you market what you do? Um right, yeah, this is another reason I think it's an exciting time for hospitality. So Throughout the 90s, it was about going green, you know, and it was just about doing something good. It didn't matter what, it was about doing something good that was for the environment. Um, and it was a bit of a greenwashing feel-good factor. Yeah, okay, we're only gonna we're gonna wash your towels maybe two times a week instead of every day. Or you know, we might only clean and turn the you know, turn the lights off, please, when you leave the room, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and then in the sort of 2000s and the last two decades, really, it's been about sustainability and that, about that. That's where it's been about net zero, doing sort of coming out net neutral. And it's um, basically not doing damage. You know, it's, we went from doing something good to let's just not do any damage or repair it, what we've actually damaged. Um, but so companies couldn't really fake it anymore um and that greenwashing and now regenerative tourism is the buzzword and it's okay it's going to be the next decade at least what that means is making it better so we've gone from doing something good to repairing the damage actually let's make it better for the next generation and the easy way to describe this, I, I find, is we had a, a campaign that was, we'll ditch the straw. So we took all took out the, the plastic straws and some were replaced with paper or bamboo or even some edible straws. Um, okay. uh, yeah. <laughs> was, I came across steel straws. I came across paper and bamboo. Edible straws is a new one for me. I, didn't, didn't, yeah, yeah, I missed the, that trend. The, a company that did flavored edible straws okay. um, but anyway it, it was sort of a, a bit of a placebo effect again not quite green what an upscale from greenwashing you know regenerative tourism will take it that bit further and say well where has this drink come from how many food miles are actually involved in bringing this drink to the table is it organically produced? What is the company like that's producing? What are the work ethics? Um, and really drills down a lot further. So what we have is that it's a much t- tighter link between product, place, and people, uh, and it, it brings back that community. It's got so it's gone from a bit of a globalization to a localization, really, um, and and really questioning. What, is that, what effect has every product had on the environment that we're using and are we using it to our advantage and, and increasing that sort of circular economy around us um, and it's really exciting to see that develop now. Yeah that was something I used to what I mean a little while ago now I wondered what how, how do you balance kind of 
fair trade products with food mile products because if you go for fair trade then you know the money gets invested ethically in Ethiopia the Congo Paraguay wherever it happens to to be and that's great or do you go support a local producer but then that leaves those remoter producers unable to compete in the market because you because because they're six thousand miles away obviously their cost of getting to you is going to be higher so it'd be interesting to see how the it's interesting that sort of localism has kind of um seemed to have won that battle yeah you know well i think it's on a comeback for sure um I, it probably lost it for a while it wasn't sexy or chic any you know and the local companies have got a bit more savvy again coming back to that marketing on the human element making it a bit more bespoke and a bit more fun they they've got a little bit more savvy on how they do it as well but you know that there is still a place for the fair trade and again it's it's about where is that and packaging that in the right place in the right location with the other right complementary products that come with it um you know it's still a travel advocate for that country and it still inspires us to travel there or or allows us access to memories um of play when we've visited that in the in the past as well so you know there's a place for all of it and it's just finding it yeah okay <laughs> it's a nice way to nice way to wrap it up there's not a lost cause because <laughs> there, there are things that you can't grow in the uk so you know that you have to source them from somewhere else so you just it's a question of picking the battle okay i mean now we're you know touch wood coming out of lockdowns i think what what do you think the next 12 months are going to be like for is it going to be a a return to type or of these these new strategies really going to stick and is it going to have a lasting impact on how tourism runs itself potentially um, indefinitely you know well what hasn't changed changed is uh why we're here why we do what we do and i think you know, one trend that was always in in travel was that when the, the booking period was the evenings and we're still seeing that that's coming back people are booking <laughs> them all days in the evening so if you're going to have an offer or put out a message that's key um from about seven o'clock in the evening is a good time to go live with that <laughs> attention and it'll get that book now or oh, want to find out more and um, so in terms of our behavior and timing that hasn't changed um nor has i think you know in terms of a company how they navigate it the branding and the marketing hasn't changed you know I always say we're not here to reinvent the wheel. We're here just to put a new tire on it or blow some air into it if it needs it. And what that means um, at the hub of your business that you have your core brand values, you know, and they serve as your internal control system. When we go through a crisis that we've just been through, we, we don't have time. You know, we've got to act quick. We've got to be nimble and it's got to be agile. So you don't have time to go into depth of all the options um but you can you've got your core values on which your company was founded and they guide you to clear decisions and as long as you keep those at the forefront and adapt them to the current situation and there's no as long as you live them every day you're going to be okay um so while we've got a different market and there's no peak or low season anymore it's a wait and see it doesn't mean we can't plan for it using that hub of core values that you've got um we know that it's a more localized market that we're con we're, that we're we're going to 
and that's going to stay very, very, very clearly um, for the next 12 to 18 months. You know, I don't think our inbound market is, is going to bounce back. The different countries are at different stages with the vaccinations, the consumer confidence um, as well it is, is, is just so varied from country to country um, that some of the changes are going to be permanent. You know, when, when can we answer it? Well, it's up to the government regulations. That's out of our control. When we feel safe doing it, when the vaccinations are there, when the right transport options are there, um, you know, flight routes, cruises are set to sail, rail timetables are there, no quarantine waiting on arrival or return. Um, and now we've got the reliability of the pandemic. So um, what awaits us the next, next 12 months is an ongoing uncertainty, for sure. Um, be prepared. But as long as you stick to your values and you know what you're doing and why you're doing it, you're going to be okay. Fantastic. That is a wonderfully positive message to, to wrap it up on, I think. So thank you very much for sharing that. I think it's been... Yeah, an industry that everyone knows had an impact, but not one that everyone necessarily thought about how how they go about going out. So your your glass half full approach to this is is brilliant. And thank thank you very much for being on the podcast. Thank you, Richard. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for joining us for another episode of that marketing podcast. You clearly have wonderful taste. We hope you found the content useful and and enjoyed it we'd love you to subscribe wherever it is you're listening to us maybe leave us a review if you can think of a topic that you you'd like us to cover or even if you fancy coming on the podcast and sharing your own experience on a particular topic that uh, you can reach us at marketing team at spotler.co.uk thanks once again and happy marketing <laughs>